I'm Blaine Zimmerman of Circle City Vets, and on this week's Veteran Cast, we have John Qualls, president of 1150 Academy. The mission of Veteran Cast is to educate, inform, and improve the lives of veterans in our community. This is a podcast hosted and produced by veterans in order to serve our sisters and brothers. Welcome to this week's episode of Veteran Cast. Uh, Blaine here along with Doug. Howdy. And this week our guest is John Qualls, as you just heard from 1150 Academy. Hi, How's guys. It going? Great to be here. Thanks for coming. Um, so, we wanted to talk a little bit 1150 Academy and what you guys are doing and, and how that ties in with the veteran community. Um, I know we talked about that a couple, uh, about a month ago now at Tech Warriors. But before we jump into that, um let's get i want to get some background on um you know where you grow up where you grew up what branch of service did you serve in what'd you do while you're in stuff like that oh great so i grew up on the kind of the inner west side and uh, actually it was a place called the bottoms so i might give you a feel for about where that where that was it's was, it was kind of the bottom of the bottoms they call it the, they <laughs> the call bottoms, the bottoms of indianapolis the bottoms of indianapolis actually it was a, it was a neighborhood called the bottoms and the reason it was called the bottoms is it was before they put in the levee system so the houses would always flood every time it rained, right? The big, big Eagle Creek there on the west side. And I think one of my earliest memories was, was spraying the inside of our house out because it would flood over the, up to the roof, right? Wow. Oh, wow. And I remember thinking, hey, someday I'm going to be rich enough. The lady across the street lived in a, in a uh, tree house. And I thought, <laughs> hey, someday I'll be rich enough to live in a tree house and I don't have to spray out the house all the time <laughs> when, it, when it floods. But yeah, so I grew up in the, in the, the, uh, the west side there and... Uh, uh, you know, kind of went, um, I was going to go to Washington High School, ended up going to Ben Davis. And, you know, I, there just wasn't a lot of opportunities uh, for me back then. I thought, you know, I, I'm going to join the military because I just felt like it was an opportunity to uh, uh, kind of get out of a, a, a tough environment. And uh, so I joined the Marine Corps and uh, on July, July 4th. Nice. Oh, wow. So 1987. That's pretty patriotic. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think it was the only day the MEP station is going to let us <laughs> out. But uh, yeah, joined the uh, joined the Marine Corps. And I remember the, the recruiter. Uh, I was in high school and they had this like this computer class, and I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. So when I was talking to the recruiter, I said, I want to get into um, electronics. He's like, oh, I got a great program for you, mechanical electronics. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a great program. So of course, I got out of boot camp and found out that was a diesel mechanic. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, thank you, uh, Sergeant Elkins. Uh, for, oh, we're uh, just going to throw him under, yeah, right under the bus. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Uh, but it, it ended up being a great thing. And he reason, made his quota. Yeah, he yeah. made his quota. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what was kind of cool is it was, uh, it's called LAI or LAVs, eight-wheeled uh, vehicles, but uh, sent me to there uh, out in Aberdeen, Maryland, Army Base. Uh, but what was one of the things I also asked him was like, can you guarantee I'll leave the United States? And he's like, absolutely. And, uh, and even you can sign it for six years if you like. I was like, great. <laughs> I was a, definitely a quota buster, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I signed up for six years out of the gate and, uh, and guaranteed to leave the United States. So to do that, they had to send me to Japan. And so they sent me to Okinawa. And the thing that I learned how to work on, you know how many is in Japan? None. <laughs> right? <laughs> So I, uh, I walk into the, the, the battalion piece there, and they, and they look at my record book, and it says I know how to type, right? So I'm like, okay. And they say, here's a piece of paper. Go over and type it. I'm like, sure. I go type. So I typed it up, 
And come to find out, everybody in their administrative area, no one, they were all hunting peckers, is what I called them. Yeah. No one knew how to type. And uh, so this lieutenant comes over, grabs me, walks me outside to this uh, big barn thing, and all these uh, 25 brand new computers. He says, you have two months to learn them, teach everybody else how to use them, right, on all these computers. What uh, year was this? This was 1987. Wow. Or, uh, actually, no, 1988. January 20th, 1988. Yeah. How about that for a memory? That's I only know because my birthday was the next day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here I am. I'm, uh, I'm, 18, I'm 18 years old. I'm in Japan. And I remember grabbing a globe. And there's like Indianapolis. And like on the other side is Okinawa. I was yeah. like, this is about as far away as I could get. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we, we learned those computers. And that really kind of started my, my being involved with tech. Because at the time, uh, once that kind of got in my record book, wherever I went, it was like, oh, Oh, you know something about computers? So never really turned a wrench in six years wow. and ended up being in, uh, in operations, right, S3, which is kind of amazing because, you know, S3 is where all the training happens. Mm-hmm. And here I am, I don't know, <clears throat> 35 years later in training. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's how I got uh, kind of got into the tech side of things, uh, always working out of the S3 or operations part of it. So did that for six years, uh, did the Gulf War, uh, and, and, you know, that was an experience, right? I think we were the first to go, last to come back. Yep. I was, uh, I was there with you. Yeah. So that was, uh, that not, was, not little, not literally, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so did, did the boat ride over there and, and it's of course all before the internet, right? Yeah. I tell you these, these folks today, they got it easy, right? They can communicate, I'm telling you, right? there's nothing like saying, love you, honey. Over. we lost the signal yeah we we didn't even have that right i try to tell my kids hey you know i actually started dating my uh my girlfriend at the time uh when i was still in the states and i went to japan for a year right so that we went long periods living a long-term relationship and used to send those tapes back and forth right so yeah i know all the 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 new vets are like i don't even know what the hell he's talking about ours track ours was all the it was all volunteer ham radio operators and oh, so, and so we yeah, would, yeah, we did down the show. Yeah, so we get like one, one call like a week, you know, because the whole ship is rotating through, and it was literally a daisy chain of these volunteer ham radio operators across the United States that would pick it up and do it. It was incredible. I mean, those guys are incredible, and they were they were doing it twenty four seven. Man, they were doing everything they could to help out. It was awesome. Yeah, it was it was different times then. Yeah, yeah. We had the internet. Yeah. yeah, the internet. We, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> we had to we had to build it. We got uh, so when I went, Iraq was considerably different than Afghanistan. But um, <clears throat> when I was in Afghanistan, we got to where our cop was, and we had nothing. The CBs had built a talk for us, um, so we had like six tents. We had a bunch more tents that we had to put up. We started with like eighteen people in a ten man tent. And then as we got more tents built and stuff, we were able to spread out a little bit more. But my bunkmate, Rusty, and I built the RMWR because we had to have a hard structure building before they'd send us an AFN satellite. And so, and Rusty was the cop mayor. You're throwing he had, a lot of acronyms yes, for us old guys. Cop <laughs> is company operating base. Okay. Uh, it's one company. So 120 guys, basically, just a bunch of infantry dudes. Um with some forward observers and then we shared that with the ANA and um Rusty we were both in headquarters I was a company RTO so I was the basically 
the company commander's executive assistant, if you will. But I carried his radio. I did all the communication piece. That was my main job. Um, and uh, Rusty, he had a bad back because he fell off a mountain in previous deployment. So he was our cop mayor is what we called him. And so he was the one that was in charge of making sure when we got stuff in, it got built. And uh, we got wood, and we don't know what we're doing. And with being the company commander's RTO, I don't go on every mission. I just go on the big ones. So I was like, Russ, whenever you need me, if I don't have administrative stuff to do, I'll come help you build a building. I'm sure it's not that hard. Like, <laughs> the Amish do it all the time. We can do it. <laughs> so we built out of plywood and two-by-fours. We built the base, and then we put some walls up and... A really, uh, I mean, there was a roof. It was not that great, but it's not like it rains a bunch or anything. And uh, we finally got an AFN satellite. We tr they said we weren't going to get a tech out for like three weeks, so Russ and I decided we'll just figure this out ourselves, and we didn't. We, we had one guy outside on the satellite moving it a couple inches, being like, nope, go left. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But the, by the time it was all said and done, we finally got the tech out. We ended up with about, we had a TV um, for TV that had AFN, which is Armed Forces Network, which is the way you can watch sports and news yeah, and yeah. TV and stuff. Um, and then we had another one for video games because somebody had uh, donated a TV and an Xbox to our company. Nice. And then we had, I think, six computers Man, to where people could get online. Oh, yeah, We had like goodness. six. Did you guys have maids? Yeah. 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 Sure. We had like six beta movies <laughs> that uh, rotated no, when through. We were on, when we were on the ship on our way over to the Gulf War, we, uh, we had no internet anything, so we made our own movies and our own yeah. game shows. Oh, yeah. really? Right. And we had it, so the ship had a, a camera, and we would film our own game shows, make up our own questions, and not safe for work Jeopardy. Oh yeah. I mean, and I tell you, I wish I'd get a hold of some of those tapes. I mean, the, they were some really Amazing. funny ones. There's some yeah. skits in there that were incredible. It's just funny, like you know, hearing the different generational. Because like our complaint was. If somebody from, you know, three cops over that we didn't know anybody over there, if anybody gets hurt, we go on a combo blackout. So all internet shuts down, all phone lines shut down. So you can't call your family, you can't get online, you can't do anything. And that was our big complaint because it was a really high op tempo. So we maybe had the internet like two days a week because other than that, somebody was always getting hurt and yeah. it was always on combo blackout. And um, it would be one of those things where we'd be like, man, Delta Company, somebody else, what, what are these guys doing? Like, we wanted to get on the internet today, yeah. and th that dude got his foot blown off again. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, this is all mail call, right? You're, you know, yeah. Here comes the helicopter with the mail, right? Yeah. And you get it, and it, is, it was really good. But I tell you, the thing that we, uh, uh, the lesson I think we learned from a veteran standpoint, and particularly when it comes to the value of, of veterans getting into tech, is problem solving, yeah. right? So, I mean, some of the biggest issues just trying to solve a problem and veterans just have this, well, uh, I don't have a lot of resources. I don't have a lot of, I'm just going to go do it and give it a shot. And, you know, and willing to, to fail or, or attempt it. And, and amazing the, the creativity that comes yeah. out of that. And I think a lot of times, the reason I'm saying this is I, I started thinking about when I got out of the, the military. And I had this real challenge trying to figure out how to convince civilians that I had value. And I even questioned myself that, do I have skills? I, I don't right. know. And I think the biggest skill that I bring to the table was the fact that, well, I'm just going to go get it done, right? I wasn't going to get stuck. It was really an action oriented. And if I couldn't figure out how to get it done, I was going to ask somebody to get it done, but it was going to get done, right? And I wasn't a 459 guy, right? You know, or 1659 for some, but yeah. uh, it was about getting it done and not necessarily about the time. And uh, that was, a, I think, a huge differentiator 
for me and I think for veterans when they, they come out, they need to recognize that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's amazing that you say it that way because I think you're the first person that we've had on that's almost had a literal job translation from what you did when you told that story of here's 25 computers, learn them and then teach it to everybody. And you literally now teach not computers, but programming yeah. to people so that they can go get jobs. I, I mean, that's probably yeah. the closest literal translation from military to civilian we've had on the podcast yeah. so far. Yeah, now, now, I did have a middle 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it, uh, so it's interesting. How did I get involved in this? Um, and actually, I got to thank uh, Doug here. Uh, so I was coming off of one uh, organization that I'd been a part of, and I wanted to kind of start another company. Uh, I, I did figure out that I was I, I'm like a serial entrepreneur. I've been involved in like six startups. I was usually went between the first or fourth person that got involved. It literally took me 40 years to figure out that that's my thing. But uh, I was looking for that next deal, and it was a company I wanted to start. And Doug said, hey, you should go talk to Scott Jones about that. I said, hey, I'll go over and have uh, lunch with him. right? And it felt like we'd been circling around in different projects but never really – sat down and had a conversation. So had this conversation with him. He says, you know, tech has been really good to you. Why don't you give back? I'm running this thing out of my house. And I was like, what the, what is, I've never actually been to his house, so I'm kind of picturing what that looks house like. House is an understatement. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, you know, the, the mansion <laughs> over there. But I went over there and, and, you know, the house was kind of neat, but, but it wasn't, that wasn't the part that got me right. excited. I sat in and I said, this is just like the military, you know. It's all about, I mean, think about it. when you join the military and you go to boot camp, they don't, unlike education, they don't have four years to get you there. They got four years to get as much out of you as possible. And so to see this um, uh, uh, process, like from a boot camp standpoint, that was about getting you to the skills and be ready as fast as possible, just right. like spoke to me. And that's how I said, well, I, you know, I was going to take three months off or something. My wife would say I took 48 hours off. Because I, I could see all the things that, uh, that we could do that was going to be so much fun. And so that's kind of how I got, got into this. It's a, it's, a, it's a good fit, too. For people that knows, don't know, uh, Scott Jones is, uh, I, I mean, he lives in Hawaii now, I think, most of the time, right? Yeah. Um, but I think one of the, one of the few uh, moguls, I, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe Didn't it. Didn't he invent voicemail? Well, he... he got the patent for voicemail through some, you know, I mean, he worked early in that field and was brilliant from a business standpoint and everything else and acquired that. And so that's, that's, I think where the majority of his wealth, but he's started up a, a bunch of different companies. I think yeah, I feel like he's um, done about 30, 35 different, yeah. different things and, and all in all kinds of different places. Right. Yes. Um, and he's a, like when I look at you working with him, it all makes sense now because Scott, I, I had the pleasure of working with for him as a subcontractor and he's a fail quick kind of guy. He's a, he's a, let's pivot, 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 pivot. Let's just keep going. And, and I watched as people got run over, run out of the way, bailed, you know, everything else as, as we just sprinted. And, and I loved it. I, I, you know, and maybe it's the military background there. And, and so it's interesting your perspective because it makes sense now. It makes sense that he likes running lean. He likes trying. He likes, you know, fail, 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 but go, 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 go. And if you find something that works, and, and hit it hard. And right. then hit it hard, yeah. So it's, it's interesting to hear that. The other side that John won't talk about is that he's a, he's a, a man of wisdom and patience here in the area and makes a great CEO. And I think, I think from a learning perspective, that that's necessary, especially in a field that 
you, you guys are pioneers in that field. There was one other, right? One other company, and they're not even around anymore, right? When you guys first started. Yeah. You're talking about the coding academy field? Yeah, there was Iron Yards. Uh, yeah. Kind of this immersive learning yeah. piece, right? And, uh, you know, there's this big skills gap between education and then the actual um, the skills, right? And I think a lot of times people struggle with, well, what's the difference, right, between education and training? Now, I always like to ask the joke, uh, what is the difference between education and training? I say, well, if you're going to go, if your child is going to go to school tomorrow and they said they're going to have sex education, they'd probably be okay with that. But sex training, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's, it's the only joke I can figure out that literally says, look, these are not the same things, right? And so let's stop trying to, to force education to be training, um, right? Because uh, we need good education, right? We need right. something to build on. But the skills training is really what that workforce piece needs. And what better than an immersive style, right, for some. So before we get into the veteran piece of this, walk us through, like, kind of how 1150 Academy works. How long is a course? What's, what is involved in a course? Um, what's it kind of take to get in? Uh, and then what can you expect, you know, if you come to 1150, what's the placement like? What types of jobs are, are these folks getting when they graduate? Yeah. So we've made a lot of iterations over the, the three years, right? So last week was, was three years. Congratulations. Uh, congrats. Yeah, it's that's awesome. flown by. Uh, but this today is that, you know, you come to our site and uh, the first thing to do is apply. There's nothing to cost to, to apply. And uh, what we're really trying to do is kind of uh, assess if this is kind of a right fit. And then there's a, there's a process you have to go through to kind of be accepted. And what we really want to do is make sure that we're going to set you up to succeed, right? And, you know, these are what uh, seems like simple things, but we want to make sure that you obviously you know how to type, right? Yeah. I mean, we had an, an individual came in, had a doctorate in mathematics, had never used a computer. Probably, wow. while may having the, the uh, aptitude, uh, got to have those skills, and we don't have time to teach you those things. So, so you go through that process, you get accepted. Uh, also, part of that application process is, uh, is we are very aggressive about seeking every grant possible to try to get the individual's cost down as, as low as we can. I mean, that we are, you know, as a matter of fact, I think sometimes, um, you know, people get mad at me about how aggressive we are on seeking grants, individual grants for, for students to lower that cost, right? So, uh, so you get accepted, uh, and some, you know, boot camp, this is gonna sound real familiar for some, some veterans, particularly if you're in the Marine Corps, uh, but it's really broken into three phases. And, uh, you know, we went out and, and got industry to help us with curriculum. We spent a lot of money, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars with employers. And, uh, you know, our, our thinking was if the employers helped us write the curriculum, and actually we have the employers help us teach the curriculum, and if they don't hire our graduates, then they may be part of the problem. Maybe you don't know what you need. Yeah. Right? But you, if, you, if you developed it and you taught it, you should hire them. So anyway, three phases. Uh, the first phase, what we call the gold pageant period, is does this individual have the aptitude to do this work? And if not, you know, I, I've been in business development. I love a fast yes. But fast no, thank you so much for the fast no. So I can go find a fast yes somewhere else. So what we're really trying to do in those first three weeks is do they have the aptitude for this space? Uh, and if they do, then we take them, can they actually execute the work, what we call kind of the blue badge phase, uh, and that is uh, a middle five weeks. And then the last part of it we call the red badge phase, at work phase, is we went to employers and said, when people show up at your business, what are they missing? What did you expect? No, no matter where they came from. 
And they're like, wow, they don't know how to be on a team. They don't know how to collaborate. They don't know what agile is. There's all these, uh, they don't know the security best practices, deployment. There's, uh, one of the things that was really interesting that we got from employers was they don't know how to sign an employment agreement, right? I was like, I didn't think that was a big roadblock. And they, you know, these people, they think they're going to invent the next Facebook and they don't know, they, they get all wrapped around. So we bring yeah. in lawyers for four hours to basically talk to the class about, you know, copyright law and, and employment agreements and all those other things. So that when they show up to that first job, that they know what to look for and they know how to protect themselves, but, but get past that and get, get out there. So it's, it's 12 weeks, those three phases. Uh, actually, I think uh, Mayor Ballard, uh, he's saying, Where, where'd you come up with this? I said, well, you know, the Marine Corps is three phases. The first phase is as an individual, you will fail. That's what they're trying to teach you. In the second phase, they build teams. In the third phase, they make a team grow and do something that the team never thought it could do it. So that's kind of how we kind of looked at this was, do you have the aptitude to do the work? Can you execute that work? And can you do that work how industry expects it? That's awesome. So that's how we do those 12 weeks. So if you make it through the 12 weeks, um, if you want to throw some stats out now. Yeah, so, we, uh, so there's a thing called the Coalition of Integrity and Results Reporting, uh, CIRR. You can go look it up. But all of our outcomes are there and completely transparent. We're trying to find a way. See, there's about 300 for-profit boot camps. There's only maybe four or five of us nonprofits. But it's like, how do you, how do you have credibility on those outcomes? So SIRS is what we do that with. Uh, we see about an 80% graduation rate. Um, compare that, I think, to about 50% traditional uh, education. And then uh, I think about 84% placement. I gotta look at the last numbers. Uh, average starting salary uh, for our folks fall right in line uh, between that 40 to $60,000 range, uh, which is kind of right in the middle here in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Interesting that the women who go through our program um, are making about nine dollars to $10,000 more than the men. And uh, we're kind of proud of that. I'm not sure yeah. what, what that is, um, but you know, I think that's a pretty interesting statistic. I think. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of companies are, are really starving to find women in tech. We have mm -hmm. a weird problem culturally in this country where you go to India and it's a majority of women, you know, in in programming. But in the United States, it's like zero. Yeah. And it's interesting <laughs> when we, you know, we observe these teams, you know, on that last piece when we put them on teams. Sometimes we put a woman in charge of the team. Sometimes the, the guy's in charge of the team. And then we kind of watch the behaviors of the team. Uh, we've even gone with all male teams, all female teams. But I can tell you, the best performing teams is a mix yeah. of male and, and female because they bring a different context to it, to a better outcome. Right. And we just got to. You know, I think as a, as a as a culture, not only here everywhere, but we got to realize that uh, that diversity is really important. Yeah. Well, you can't. I always tell people you can't ignore you know millions of years of evolution to you know produce different behaviors in in genders, right? <laughs> and 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 the thing is, is, I was you know difference is not a is not a negative. Difference yeah, is a positive. Celebrate. You know. Yeah. Celebrate, celebrate our differences. It, yeah. I always uh, there was a, a Marine Corps commandant. Uh, I remember he said something once. He said. Boys and girls been chasing each other since the beginning of time. No policy is going to change that. <laughs> I was kind of like, yeah, 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 I guess he got right to it. Uh, but, uh, but, but I think what he was really was, was saying there uh, at, at the time is that is there, there is, is a difference, yeah. right? And, it, and that's okay, right. right? But then how are we going to uh, make this work, right? right? Make it work together. And um, I tell you that the best teams I've been a part of has really been those balanced, diversified um, you know, sometimes I know I get bullheaded and I'm uh, uh, myopic about how to do something. 
and it seems like they're in my way, right? But a lot of times they're trying to save me from a big mistake. Right. And, and I'm now, as I've gotten older, I've really learned to that constructive or that different feedback to say, wait, wait a minute, what am I missing here? Sometimes I miss some really obvious things and it's, it's cost me a lot, <laughs> time yeah. and money. So um, I know that we had, this might be getting into the weeds. Um, I don't even know if there's 10, 15 different languages. Do you guys do the same coding languages? Every single class, does it switch up? How do you guys go about tackling it's that? It's actually different. We started with uh, seven languages, right? Uh, but then we started taking it back. And I, I'm a big opponent. Of, it's, you look at what people do and not what they say. Mm. And I felt like when I was talking to the tech industry, I said, you know, what do you need, right? And there's what they said. Uh, but then we actually went back and looked at what they were actually hiring, what they were doing. And so in Indiana, that, that tends to be uh, JavaScript and .NET. I think we're a big Microsoft uh, yeah. uh, community here. So JavaScript and .NET. And so what we do is we, we kind of flip-flop these classes um, it's interesting, though, I, I would say that Python, I, shout out to our Six Feet Up folks uh, out there, yeah. uh, Calvin and his team. Great, great uh, company. Great company, Python. But Python might be one of the more popular ones uh, nationwide, um, and, and we'd love to teach it. We have all that curriculum, but I go back to what are the outcomes that we want of our students, and we want them to get that entry level, you know, get into that job. And if people don't hire for that, we don't teach it. So cool. Java and um, uh, .NET. But we have, uh, I'm sorry, JavaScript and .NET, but we have Java and we have iOS and we have Android and we have Python. Uh, we actually went down in Kentucky and taught coal miners and that community wanted iOS and Android, right? And that's what they were hiring for, yeah. right? 900 people applied, 100 we looked at, I think 53 in the program, 35 made it 100% placement, right? That was a great wow. outcome. Um, which is one of the things that was, I love the show Justified. You guys remember that? Mm -hmm. And I'll admit, when I went down to Kentucky, I thought, oh, you know, what am I going down here? And I was, uh, um, I will admit, they, they surprised me, right? And what that community did and how they got behind it and their ability to, I remember one guy for about an hour talked to me about the science behind coal. And uh, I was like, this guy's got a PhD in coal. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, so what they were able to do down there. So, yeah, so in the languages here that we teach, the JavaScript and, and uh, .NET, and actually, uh, someone's going to yell at me, right? But we're getting ready to roll out a WordPress uh, curriculum. You know, 72% of the internet running on WordPress. Makes and, sense. And, and we think some, uh, for some folks, uh, I like to call, some folks are going to be technical mechanics and they're going to be down in the weeds. Yeah. And other people are just great technical drivers, right? And we think at WordPress could well, be if some you have, of that. If you have something with such wide adoption, you know, the, I, I, you know, WordPress is one of those weird things that if you get into the framework, there's a lot of criticism, you know, but it's a content management system. It's to build websites with. It's not to build bulletproof, you know, systems with. And so I think it's, again, you're going in the path of least resistance. This is what people need, you know, for people that they're employing. So that, that makes perfect sense. And lots of demand. And there's a there's a living wage there. Yeah, right? absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, and living wage, you know, the one thing I am proud about is, is this debt thing, right? I used to have the, the program philosophy, right? How do we teach the most relevant job-ready ready skills, right, for the individual, giving them a living wage with little or no debt while de-risking the decision to the employer? That's a whole mouthful, right? Mm -hmm. but, but we really look at that and say, how can we deliver this efficient thing that gets someone on a living wage, right? I mean, yeah. any wage, right, living wage, career, right? That's what's really important to us. So you'll probably be able to see where I'm going with this. Uh, 
with stuff like this, with coding, with WordPress, with anything we're talking about online or building software, building that type of stuff, it changes all the time. How often is your curriculum changed? What kind of uh, steps do you take to make sure that your curriculum is always the most up to date um, and going to be, to your point, you know, teaching the people what they need to be able to go out right into the workforce? So I talked earlier about those employers and having them involved in that curriculum development, but they're also involved in the curriculum maintenance. And uh, it was interesting, we were looking at higher ed. Higher ed is usually on a three to 11 year curriculum refresh. Right. Um, that made no sense to me, yeah. right? When it comes to skills, right? Fine on education, but on the skill side, it didn't make sense. So we look at it after every cycle, right? So our, our uh, cohorts are, are three months, right? So about every four months, we, we have an advisory uh, committee that's from industry. One of our faculty runs it um, and they review the entire curriculum. And I'll use .NET as an example. So uh, Xamarin is a, is a platform that allows you to write it in .NET and then, then port it to all the mobile, right? So write once and go to all three mediums, right? So we had our .NET curriculum. We went to that committee and said, hey, should we have Xamarin in our curriculum? Ah, oh, no, no, we don't need that. For entry-level folks, we don't need that, right? Well, between that cohort and the next one, you know, Microsoft bought Xamarin. And then the next one is like, should we have, absolutely, got to be the core right in the middle, right here. Yeah. Uh, right, so that's like four months uh, to be able to turn that and get that curriculum into. So that's just like this velocity um, of the of the training that we're doing, right, that makes that difference. So that's how we maintain that piece. Okay. And, and it's really, because the, the outcome is for them to be out there in, in the space. So who better to tell us than the people who are gonna hire them? I was gonna say, I think that's coming down the pipe with Python too, because Python now is becoming the language of choice for data science with machine learning and AI and everything else. So. Yeah. The upswing for people looking for that is starting to rise now. Um, so, to, so I, I think that's a good move. That's a great way, demand based, right? Yeah, it and sounds 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 like a good business yeah, model. Sounds, sounds good, right? <laughs> <laughs> and why are we for profit? Yeah. No, we're nonprofit, right? Uh, and I think the other uh, piece there is, is we there's a skill up courses that we do, right? So we've talked about the 12 weeks, but you know, to us is you have to you have to inspire the next generation. So we do things in outreach. You have to then train this relevant training, which is the core of what we do. Then you gotta launch them into that entry-level jobs, right? Um, there's this thing I, I call them purple squirrels, but everybody wants someone with three to five years experience who wants to make market or less, right? Purple squirrels. All the employers, they all want that, and they're all chasing and stealing each other's squirrels. But at the end of the day, you're just gonna have, to, I think with the demand this high, you're just gonna have to grow really good quality people with grit, yeah. right? And so we're really focused on that. But that, that, that last piece is, once you have them, this is, it does not stop, right? The moment that you, whatever it is you learn, I think the CEO of AT&T said, hey, whatever skills you have today has a two-year shelf life. So we have the skill-up courses that we do, one, two, three, five, five days. And what I really am doing there is trying to go out of the market with skill-up things that might become something later on. So we've, we've done uh, data science, we've done IoT classes, machine learning classes. We've got some other things this year that we're gonna push out there. But it's us kind of looking at the local market, kind of exposing some of this, you know, Google Go, right? You yeah. Know, are those? So get those courses out there and see the market's taste for it. And if it really starts to take off, then, then quickly get that into a more more robust program. Well, it's not so a, that's how we maintain that and how we find things to, to invest in. And it's, it's a, uh, the thing that I like about that model is with technologies, you know, acceleration right now is people get upset at that, right? Just like that. Well, oh, I just learned that language and now this mm -hmm. language, you know? And, but people within the industry know like the, the only constant is change, 
but with every change comes these incredible efficiencies you know that when you when you do get the switch you know it's like going from a 486 to a pentium and a pentium to you know that that these incredible advancements come with it yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and so that's the counterbalance of it is that you know yeah i've got to learn something new but it's going to be amazing because it's going to be easier it's going to be faster it's going to be quicker to market all of those pieces with it yeah so to kind of tie that together with something we talked about a little bit earlier you talked early about you guys fight hard to get that grant money um but we know that education works on it, that three to 11 year window and you guys change curriculum every four months. Well, when you talked at Tech Warriors, you guys were talking, trying to figure out how to get the GI Bill to be able to be used for the 1150 Academy for um, either transitioning veterans or just veterans that still have it or even family members of veterans. And I know that when you had spoke about that, you talked about that uh, they still want that three-year-out curriculum. Um, so, A, is there anything that's changed there that you might want to talk about? And B, uh, well, is that, we'll start there. Oh, well, that's a nice little softball. <laughs> yeah, so it's good. It's a so, great softball. So we, we have invested a lot, right? We, we were working with Congressman uh, Brooks' office on the vet tech bill, trying to get, you know, to, which was going to allow um, money from traditional education to flow through the boot camps. Uh, and that did go through, but it didn't really help us. And so what we decided is, is you know what, we're just going to have to bite the bullet and go through the process and, and get approved, uh, uh, the ability to receive that GI Bill. And I remember our submission, I remember measuring it. It was four inches thick. And I, I can't, I have to thank the team on how much they put in, I mean, hundreds of hours into this work, right? Um, but one of the things we fought was they said, well, the curriculum has to be taught in one location for two years unchanged. And so we had to, we were kind of like, that makes no sense. How old is the, you know, the phone uh, software on your phone? And so they were able, we worked through that, and, uh, and, and kudos to the, to the state uh, veterans office, uh, Jim Brown over there and everything. But we, we can now say that we can accept the GI Bill 1150, which I think is one of, makes us one of three or four in the country from a boot camp standpoint. And as a veteran, this has been driving me nuts, not being able to help my, my brothers and sisters, veterans, and being able to use that GI Bill to, to have this opportunity. Not only that, but not emptying out your GI Bill. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're going for a traditional education, you're going to typically run out. Mm-hmm. But through 1150, you got yeah, plenty you left. You cover 100%. Yeah, I could send I, all three yeah. of my kids through. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. 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 <laughs> if I hadn't yeah. used mine, I guess I should say yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah. You, the, well, here's the other piece, right? And, and uh, was interesting, I was talking to this, uh, this group, Operation Code, and uh, you know, which is helping veterans as well. But one of the things I had forgotten is how difficult it is for spouses of veterans, right? Not in, in all genders, but it tend to be more women. Yep. And so the other thing I'm really excited about is uh, there's Indie Women in Tech here in Indiana, and, uh, and they just gave us $100,000 to get women in tech. And so to me, the opportunity not only to help uh, veterans, uh, but if it's a veteran, it may be, uh, not necessarily the opportunity for them, but the ability to have some of those dollars that flows through to their spouse and then to be able to use IWIT opportunity, you know, those dollars to just lower that barrier. Uh, what I like, think that's so great about that, particularly for veterans, is that now your spouse has a skill that is mobile. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And just think about how often, you, you know, you, you, they go into a base and your spouse would, would have some job, but not a career. And the moment that you got 
you had to ship out, well, wherever momentum they had stopped and they had to restart somewhere else. And uh, that, I think, is just this tremendous opportunity for veterans, uh, veteran families, to, to change uh, really that living wage. I, I always tell the story, my wife and I was making big bucks, $9,600 a year, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, my wife had a degree in biology, uh, but she could not get a job in town uh, because there just was none, none to be had. And there was a, um, the mall had a security guard role, right, that was posted. 500 people applied. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought 500 spouses. And so to get to wheel it down to you had to have a Ph.D. I mean, that's how crazy it was. <laughs> They're trying to figure out well, how we weed this down to who's going to get it. Um, so my wife drove an hour and a half it was a long distance back in the day and she got a job. And we went from, uh, you know, hamburger helper to, to steak. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, man, I want to be part. We want to be part of, of changing that kind of uh, lifestyle for, for veterans families. Well, the fascinating thing there, too, is it, it complements both sides of tech too that one is gig economy you know that that you can do freelance work and it doesn't matter where you're at but the other one is mobile that a lot of these companies now you know we talked about wordpress earlier automatic doesn't actually have an office every employee is remote you know and so it lends itself to that as well that okay well even if you're if your spouse your your husband or wife is deploying every two years or you know or, or you're moving every few years no problem you yeah. can keep your job and keep moving around the country yeah career mobility who'd have thought of it right? yeah from a tech standpoint so <clears throat> if somebody's interested veteran or otherwise um to go figure out to take the assessment figure out if they or just to apply uh best way to go about doing that would be just go to our site there's a piece that says apply there's a lots of Lots of questions in there. Just know we're asking all these questions because we're looking for every angle possible, right? Uh, but go through that, and then someone from the admissions uh, team will contact them. They'll explain the process. Everything is just completely transparent. Um, we're all about trying to set them up for success, but they go through that process. So just go to 1150 and hit, uh, hit apply. Uh, fill that out, and, and we'll take it from there. One thing I didn't ask earlier, what about what uh, percentage of people that apply get accepted? Uh, it used to be in the very beginnings uh, when we were we were desperate, right? It was uh, a visa was, would get you in, right? <laughs> uh, but um, actually, probably in the last year, we've really uh, narrowed that down, and, and it's it's probably about eighty percent. Okay, right? and, then, and and there's a story there too, right? Is that if you're a veteran coming back, and uh, I think the numbers are like fifty eight percent of veterans have some type of technology training through the military. But if you're part of the 42% that doesn't, that by no means, you know, spells doom for you. That yeah, the not. logic, process, discipline, all of the characteristics that you were taught in whatever service that you were in lend itself very well to the tech community. And so I would, I would encourage everybody that, you know, you would have never dreamed that you might code. Yeah, I mean, go apply and yeah, see go whether you and have the app. We had this two day intro to coding class. And, and one of the things that we do, there's this assessment, right? So we went to companies and said, what does the ideal coding candidate look like? And so these companies spent, you know, uh, four hours. They created this, this benchmark. And then we took that uh, benchmark and went to 3,000 existing coders and measured that against there to make sure it was accurate. So during that class, part of that assessment piece is taking that piece to see if you fall in line with what industry says that is. And a lot of times, uh, w there's two things we want out of that weekend. It's the fast yes and our fast no. 
mm-hmm. two days. You know what? This was kind of fun, but this is not for me. What a gift, yeah. right? But hey, by the way, we did this assessment, and by the way, here's 10 other careers that might be the right thing for you. Right. Or, wow, this was, I didn't know that I could do this. This is, how can I get more of this? And they can lean in, right? So we really want to do that, make them, yeah. set them up for success. Yeah, so to both of your points, don't hear this and think, well, I'm a grunt, and I've never, I don't know anything about computers right. or what hey, why not give it a shot i mean if you're a grunt like me and you learned a little bit of farsi so you can communicate with the local village while you're in afghanistan coding's a language if you can learn another language you can probably learn coding yeah. it's kind of it's interesting 60 percent of our our uh, uh, graduates have a, a four-year degree and 60 percent of them are unemployed if wow. they were if they were three things political science music and english uh journalist uh majors those those three are, uh, you know, history major. But there, there's a piece there just doesn't seem to get them actualized in the market, and they exceed. Why? Because I think all those have to be about, you know, it's, it, there's really it's constructing something on a medium, mm-hmm. whether or not that's music, whether or not it's a story, all those pieces, things, it's right? Creative solutions. It's just right? creative solutions. Yeah. And so when we did that that piece, uh, you know, with those employers that for that assessment, problem solving, way up there. And I'm telling you. Folks in the military are great problem solvers, right? And so there's real value there. And there's the thing I want to say is really important to the employers, right? You know, one of the the challenges I kind of get as a nonprofit, sometimes employers look at 1150 and they they think, okay, well, I'm I'm helping out here. I want to be altruistic, right? But their expectations of the the folks coming out there, they somehow think they might be subpar or not. Uh, but I can tell you that they are they are not. We're, we're not pulling. There's nothing light about the curriculum. There's nothing light about the experience. A lot of students say, wow, going to work is so much easier than going to 1150, right? It's 40 hours a week, you know, 10 hours afterwards. It is hard, just yeah. like boot camp was. Um, and they are just, they have tremendous grit. And so, uh, you know, that's the thing that we've really started to see in the last year is employers keep calling me going, where did you find this person? I said, oh, well, they were busting tables. They were a barista. They were a, um, you know, a, she was a bartender. She was, so all these different places. And some of them, computer science or, or uh, they have a master's degree in journalism. There's just this wide range. But what I've always loved about tech on my journey, I think all of our journeys, was didn't care about anything but what could you do between your ears and can you get it done? Can you do the work right. is the most important uh, thing possible. And I think employers are really saying, hey, if they can do the work, I'll take them. Well, that was all. Thank you so much for coming on. One more time, give us the website, 1150academy.org. Is that right? Nope. It's actually 1150.org and 1150. it's spelled out E-L-E-V-E-N-F-I-F-T-Y.org. Okay. So 1150.org. And then just go hit apply yep, or hit just apply and get some more information. To, uh, to get you that information and either get you on that journey or uh, just give you some new skills. Does the application process ask about GI Bill? Absolutely. Okay, good. Okay. We okay. ask uh, red pill, blue bill. Uh, <laughs> yes, Star Trek, Star Wars. But, nice. Uh, uh, debt, all kinds of things, right? Uh, but I promise you every question is, is weighted to find a way to push the cost down and to set somebody up to succeed. Any, uh, any really cool stories you want to share about a – graduate you don't have to mention names but. oh i got so many stories but uh here's one i think one of my recent favorites is a um, young lady uh, a senior in high school diagnosed with brain tumor mm-hmm. right inoperable and imagine what that what that is right you, you know you're now questioning whether you're going to live right your life 
Um, so she does that. She's at home for three years, right, battling this. Finally gets it under control with uh, medicine. Uh, now she's kind of out of the normal track. So she comes over, takes her program, absolute rock star, right? Uh, one of the, my favorite parts of that, she actually led a team. There's a company uh, here in town uh, who kind of won some accolades, um, who gave them a project to, to solve. Uh, the individual that gave them the project didn't realize that he'd given them a project that was unsolvable. And uh, this is kind of where I think of like veterans, right? Wow. But they solved the problem anyway, <laughs> right? It was like uh, yeah. a movie with Matt Damon as a janitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, Goodwill but, hunting, yeah. But she, but she led that team, right? And and she just got, she was a, kind of the class, rec, their class recognized her. She gave a speech at, at graduation that I was, of course, I'm kicking myself for not capturing that on video. But I, I could never give a speech like that. And uh, and she's just a perfect example of what can be, can be done for someone who can just do the work, and the, the industry recognized it and, and got hired. And we, I just love that story of somebody who. You know, sometimes they say, who do, we, who do we really serve? It's three things. It's the unfound, those who have not found the spark or purpose yet in their life, right? It is the unsatisfied career changer uh, who just kind of is on a path that just it doesn't excite them to get up every day, right? And I like to think of the underskilled. And I say underskilled, not unskilled, because we cannot train the uneducated. Those are the three things, and we got stories around that. And that's really who we're trying to help is those three groups. That's awesome. That's fantastic. What a great close. Yeah. Did you, did you practice that? <laughs> well, you know, I, I actually uh, you know, start with why. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I've always like, I, that guy was on to something. Yeah. So what we did about two months ago is said, what is our why? Like, you know, and so we said, what is our why? Well, we, we really want everybody to have a life um, worth doing. Not why a life worth thinking about or dreaming about, but actually doing. Which again, I love the veterans because we, we do things, right? And then, so if that's our vision, then it really is we want to transform the lives of individuals and communities. That, it's like so natural how that we came to that. And so, how, and how do we transfer those lives? Finding purpose, discovering values, right? You think about how you know your value creation it creates that emotional piece, right? Uh, immersive, job rele- relevant training and thoughtful community programs. Yeah. So it, it, that's, that's how we got here. That's, that's the piece, right? So now it becomes really clear to us uh, what our mission is and who we're serving. And it actually is now starting, th- those people then gravitate to us, people who are seeking that. Right? I can't tell you how many times I've had parents come crying at graduation. Uh, we had a young man who tried to kill himself twice, right? Found himself. Uh, I get emotional even now, right? I mean, it is, these stories we got to do a better job of getting them out but people finding what they really are good at and being very passionate about it um man you know so much of your life is work shouldn't you be just doing something that you're excited about yeah so that's our that's our thing so that was that's a really great way to close um i'd be remiss to not ask as a marine um did you see the army navy game this year I, I, <laughs> I, I, I did not. Right? Sorry, that's our running joke. Doug, Doug okay. would get mad if I didn't ask. I have to gloat okay. a little bit every time. Hey, well, you know um, who, te- who teaches those naval, naval officers? Who's that? Well, it's, it's marine instructors. Oh, right. <laughs> Just so you know. The, well, uh, we pay you to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so we have a date March 6th for the next Tech Warriors? March 6th, yeah. It's uh, Tuesday, so we are going to do the uh, – I, I, I will double-check on the times, but I think okay. last time it was right after work, come yeah. down, uh, and there was, uh, of course – 
uh, food and drink there and uh, a great environment. We're going to do the same thing. Blaine's going to be speaking. Rounding uh, out the rest time. of the panel. Yeah. 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 yeah and, I uh, actually think we have a, one that we can announce next week. Fantastic. So, yeah. So yeah, and then uh, and then another reminder on the March twenty sixth, mm-hmm. uh, Senator Don- Donnelly's celebrating the uh, uh, the Vietnam veterans uh, here. So look look for that link on the site as well. Awesome. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks guys. Please visit VeteranCast.com for additional information. Subscribe to our podcast, and we'd also appreciate a review. God bless you, and God bless America.